Judges chapter 7. I hope we take the challenge that I've thrown out to all of us seriously that we need to do better. Because we can be, we can be better because we really are better. Amen. We are better. Yes. We are better. Judges chapter 7. Begin from verse 16. Then he divided 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch. And when I come up to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. The context here is, God raised up Gideon to attack and defeat the Midianites. That word Midian means strife. It means control of self. It means habit. It means covering as in trying to cover up something. Amen? Strife, habits, covering up, or the control of self. So God raised up Gideon to attack these Midianites. And Midian, to me and you today, represents all our inner struggles. Struggles that's due to sin, Satan, or self. He had about 32,000 people with him. And God gave him the challenge and said, no, 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 no. You have too many people. Reduce them. So immediately, they went down to 10,000. And God said, yes, you still have way too many. At the end of the story, the 32,000 were reduced to 300. So the passage we just read gives us the instruction that God gave to Gideon in order to overtake, to attack, or to gain victory over the Midianites. Remember, Midianite, to me and you today, represents our inner struggles. Struggles that you and I have, all of us have them. That's due to either sin, Satan, or inclination to just being self or selfish, or fleshly. So God wants to destroy these things in us. He wants to break apart in us all these things that hinder us from being able to show forth his glory to the world as dying. Notice the three components in Gideon's army. Number one, they had a pitcher. Number two, they had a trumpet. Number three, they had a torch. The torch was to be placed inside the pitcher 
and then they had a trumpet. Trumpet in the scriptures speaks to us of the word of God. The prophetic word of God. Pictures in the scriptures speak to us of me and you, us. Because pictures are made from earthen vessels, from the earth. And of course the torch represents the light. The light of the word of God, the light of the glory of God, the light of God himself. Now, why would God require for this victory that the pictures had to be broken? Because this morning, I'm speaking to you and I on the blessing of brokenness. The blessing or the blessedness of brokenness. Now, when we hear that word broken, we just cringe. Naturally, we cringe. Why? Because, because me and you are only too familiar with broken things. We live in a broken world among broken relationships, broken governments, even as we speak, broken hearts, broken cars, broken toys, the list goes on and on and on and on. All around us are broken things. Hurting, broken people. So whenever we hear the word brokenness, whoo, we immediately connect the dot with all the broken things we are all too familiar with. Because the truth of the matter is, when your cell phone breaks, you throw it away. When your TV breaks, you, take, you throw it away. When most things in our lives break, we throw them away. So I understand that. God understands that. So our intuition, when we hear the word broken, immediately is to cringe and say, oh man, I don't want to go there. But that's the more reason for which God wants us to be broken. You see, because we live in a broken environment among broken people who are familiar with brokenness on a day-to-day basis. So if you and I are ever to make any connection or relate to them or be able to reach them, we must likewise be broken. But not the kind of brokenness that you and I in a natural are familiar with. You see, the torch in Gideon's army was concealed inside the pitcher. And as long as the torch or light was inside the pitcher, it didn't give any light. So there was only one way in which this pitcher can give light. The pitcher must be broken if the light is to shine forth. You and I have no problem agreeing that Jesus is the light of the world. We have no problem agreeing that me and you now have become the light of the world. We have no problems with that. We have no problems in understanding that Jesus' light dwells in us. There's no problem. You know why? 
we have nothing to do with that. You got born again, you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes to dwell inside of you, that light is in you. Without you or I having to do anything about it. But he wants to do more than that. He doesn't just want to be in us, he wants to radiate from us. You didn't hear me at all. Pastor Charles, come and help me out here. He doesn't just want to be in us. He wants to radiate from us. That's where the problem is. The problem is not him being in us. He's there. There's nothing you can do about that. He comes, he resides. The challenge for me and for him is how will he get from your inside to shine forth? That's the issue. Let's go read one scripture. Then I'm going to go through a couple of examples. I'm going to take my time. This may take you two weeks to finish this message. I don't want to rush it. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2. Uh, let's start from verse 14. Philippians 2.14 Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Look at the last part. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's the issue. Paul is exhorting us that as a result of what we receive from God, you and I are now placed in the world to do what? To shine forth. So if we are not shining in the world, there can be only one reason. We are not broken. So that the light in us can come out. There's no reason as a believer I can walk into a room and people will not know hey, there's something different about this guy. Absolutely. Why? Because me and you, the Bible says we are carrying a treasure in our thin vessel. That's what we carry. So when I enter a room, I expect everyone in that room to recognize God just entered this room. Why? Because the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ should be diffusing out of just the way you smell uh, Calvin Klein and uh, who else? What else do you guys wear? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the way your perfume smell and your cologne smell very well when you enter a room. That's the same way the aroma of God should be oozing out of a believer. Without wearing the bag and saying, I'm born again. This is the reason for which Jesus died. His body was broken in a good way so that you and I can live for his glory. Now, let me bring this message to where we are. 
Let's go through a few examples to show you how it works. Okay? Let's first go to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Let me first encourage you. Mark chapter 6. Let me first encourage you because I want you to know God is not trying to break you to destroy you. That's not what we are talking about at all. No, 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 no. God is just trying to come out of the box you and I have placed him in. That's what we're talking about. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus did something that should help you and I understand what he's looking to do now. In verse 45 of Mark chapter 6, now, again, for context, what had just happened in verses above verse 45 was he just multiplied the loaves and gave them supernatural supply, miracles. How many people here love miracles? <laughs> all of us. I do too. I can raise up two hands. Amen. We all love miracles. And we should. It's no problem with that. So he had just finished performing miracles for them. Verse 45 says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent them away, he, Jesus, departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and it was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to, to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer. He decided, Do not be afraid. Oh. I hope you see what just happened. He sent them away to the other side. He said to them, Go to the other side. And while they were going, he went to the mountain to pray. Excuse me, Sister Lola. What do you think was the subject of his prayer? What do you imagine Jesus was praying about? <laughs> it is not rocket science. He knew they were going to get into storms. He knew. He knew exactly what was going to happen on that boat. He sent them. Knowing fully well they will encounter a storm. But before the storm arrived, he had already prayed. I need to go back to Thailand because you guys don't even get it at all. He had already prayed. Not only had he prayed, before they cried on him, he saw them. He saw them in their struggle before they ever opened their mouth to even shout, cry, or ask for help. Bring that 
forward to 2017. Then in the Bible tell us in Romans chapter 8 that Jesus lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews 7.25 says, He forever lives. In other words, the way the language was put together, the about, about the only reason is living. He's to make intercession for you and I. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. There is no storm. There is no wind. There is no raging problem. There is no circumstance that will come upon the child of God that Jesus Christ himself has not already prayed for you before it happened. Not only just praying, he saw it and he see you in it and is ever ready, ever prepared to rescue you, to restore you, to make sure the victory is guaranteed for you. Our problem is we don't know the process we don't understand it and we don't trust in his love what he did for them is what he's doing for us he sent them out and he went and prayed and while he was praying he saw them you know they are struggling you know they are afraid and before they could ask, he showed up. When you read that scripture in Romans chapter 8, this is the key. In Romans chapter 8, verse 27, this is the key. The Bible said the Spirit of God makes intercession for you and I according to to the will of God. Not according to your sentiment. Not according to your whims. Not according to emotions. Not according to your unreasonable, immature request of God. No. But he's praying for us according to the blueprint of your life that is in heaven. Not what you want to do, but what he has proposed for your life before you ever got here. That's what Jesus is praying for you. You can pray till your eyes get blue, till your lips get green. You can fast all you want. You will not check God's mind about you because he knew what he wanted when he created you. And that's not going to change. These is the human problem. What I just mentioned very lightly is the human problem. He's praying for us according to the will of God. Lola, not according to my will. That's the problem. And I'm about to show you now in scripture one or two examples so you can see it clearly. That's the issue and the reason for brokenness. Because you are trying to have your way and he's trying to have his way. And the issue is he paid the price for his way. You are just coming along for the ride. But he paid the price. So he has a right to demand what he wants because he knows what he paid for. It'd be ridiculous, Pastor Charles, for me to go and pay for a Mercedes Benz. And I go to pick it up and I say, you know what? We like it very much. Take the voice version. 
Would that not be ridiculous? That's terrible. Would that be a good deal? Absolutely not. That's what we're trying to do to God all the time. He knows what he paid for. Yes. We're trying to give him a stop substitute. And he says, no. no. Let's go very quickly. Very quickly. You and I know the story. Jacob. Patriarch of Israel. Serving with Laban. Saw this beautiful girl. Whose name is called what? Rachel. Wonderful. Good. All of you can start churches in Thailand just for getting that answer. <laughs> he loved, the Bible says, he loved Rachel. But he did not like Leah. Remember the issue? God is praying for us according to what? His will, not my will. So he said to Laban, Laban, let me marry Rachel. Laban said, no problem. Con, talking to a con man. <laughs> no problem. You know the story. The man swapped the girls. He thought he had Rachel. Woke up with Leah. And the Bible said, because Jacob hated Leah, he shot Rachel's womb. It's in your Bible. And Leah became a children machine. Yes. Bam, 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 bam. I mean, she was just spinning them out. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon. Six boys. And Jacob is struggling with God. My God, I don't know how many prayer meetings he went to. Like me and you, from prayer meeting to prayer meeting, not praying according to the will of God, but praying according to what we want. God, give me a chance. Hey, do karate and wake up again. Hey, my baharakaba. Yeah. Watch this. Little did Jacob know because God's word to him in Genesis 48, 28, verse 14. In Genesis 28, 14, God declared his will for Jacob. Your descendants shall be numerous in the earth from the north to the east, south to the west. They will be so numerous. And in you, Jacob, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That is God's will for him. Is that what he's looking for? No. He's looking for a beautiful girl. <laughs> the prettier, the better. Hey! Slim girl. Hallelujah. The one that knows how to dress properly. Well, uh, Ralph Lauren uh, Blazer. Hey, hallelujah. I'm all together. Praise God. Hey. God's will is, Jacob, through you, I want to bless the world. 
God, what are you talking? I beg, give me a fine dame. Fine. Fine dame. So after I've worked in the farm, I can go home and be refreshed. So God is praying to bless the world. Jacob is praying for Laban to change his mind and give him a fine girl. Do you see how divergent those two things are? So God breathed on Laban. Give him Leah. The one he doesn't want, give him Leah. Because I've paid the price. I don't know what I want to do. That's right. He's blind. He can't see. He doesn't know anything. Just give him Leah. Because I have a plan and a purpose. He woke up in the morning and said, what did you give me? Who is this? Whereas God has a purpose. The purpose is revealed in the names of the sons. Samuel means to see. Jacob, you have a problem. You cannot see the kingdom. So I need to give you a son so you can see. Next one is Reuben. Not only can you not see, Jacob, you cannot hear. Reuben's name means hearing. Number three, Levi means to be joined. See, Jacob, you have a problem. You have a problem. You need to be joined together to me. Therefore, I'm giving you Levi so you can be joined together with me. Next one is Judah, which means to praise. God said, not only do you need to see, you need to hear, you need to be joined with me, and then you need to learn to praise in the kingdom. Then he gives him Ishaka, which means wages or reward. Not only would you see, hear, be joined, give praise, you'll be rewarded in the kingdom. And last, through Leah, he gave him Zebulon. And Zebulon means to dwell. See, God just does not want me and you to pass through the kingdom. He wants us to dwell in the kingdom. And Zebulon became the missionary state of Israel. Because when ships are sailing all through the world, Zebulon has a light. That's a heaven to the nations to become on them, to stop, to be refreshed, and to be equipped for their journey. Do you see what God is doing? Jacob, you need to see. You need to hear. You need to be joined together with me. You need to praise, but not just praising. Because the Bible says, out of Judah, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Not only that, the Bible says in Genesis 49, that through Judah, all the other nations will bow. In other words, through Judah, Jesus will come. Jacob, I created you to bring forth the seed that will bless the nations. And that seed is in Judah that came from that thing you did not want. You didn't want Leah, but through her, I'm giving you the world. What are you struggling with that you don't want, you don't like, you disdain, despise? And that very thing you are despising is what God wants to use to bring forth your blessing. So much so, Rachel died before Levi. 
Vifalea, I'm sorry. Much, much, much Vifalea. God is too much. So the woman this man didn't like was one that nurtured him in his later ages. The woman he could not stand became the apple of his eye in his later years. Why? Because God has so dealt with him and broken him, all of a sudden he got an affection from God to Leah that he did not know was possible. Is it a surprise then that Rachel, when he left the house of Laban, was the one that stole the gods of the father? Not Leah. Because Leah recognized she was at a disadvantage. She knew that. She knew she was not loved. She knew she was hated. So her only resolution was to press into God. Man may not like me. Man may not favor me. But if God will give me favor, if God will place grace upon my life, if God will just love me and embrace me, everything man is saying against me, God will negate. And that's exactly what happened. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. Your husband may not have you in their favor. Or you may not have your husband in favor. I don't know what it is. Or your children. Whatever it is. Your friends. Your family. Your businesses. Stop pursuing the affirmation of men. Pursue rather the affection of God. That is freely available. Because in Genesis 49. Jacob is now old and he's about to die. And he made a request. Bury me next to Leah. Rachel that he loved at the beginning was buried on the roadside. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Buried on the roadside on the way to Bethlehem. Just on the ground. Just put her there. Put a stone there as a memorial and gone. But Leah the one that he despised at the beginning was buried in a family sepulchre where Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and then Jacob and Leah in the same family sepulchre. Tell me, who was God's choice? Was it Leah or was it Rachel? Which Rachel are you pursuing now? for which you are struggling with God and you are looking for answer and God said it will not come because you are looking for the wrong thing at the wrong place. Rachel looks good. It's attractive. But remember, it has an expiration date. It will expire in time. It's shining now. It's looking good now. But five years from now, You'll be kicking yourself. What? How? What? What? Let me give one more. And then I'll close for today. And then we'll pick it up later. Pastor Tosin started this a few weeks ago. I can't remember how long now. Maybe two, three weeks. 
And it's important for me to share as part of this testimony or sharing it to help us to understand the workings of God and, the, and how God breaks us for better. Never for worse. Never for worse. The enemy wants us to think it's for worse. But no, that's not the case. Oh, I don't know how long it was. Pastor Tosin, how long did you lead the upreach for? How many years? Six, Six, seven years, I can't remember. Before it was Pastor Nee. Pastor Nee did a great job. He was released to go to Ghana, and we had to have a replacement. Pastor Tosin stepped in at a very, very tough time. Very tough. You see, what you guys see on the platform, If you know what's going on behind the scene, it's not a joke. There are so many moving parts that constitute what you see on the platform. So we had a first, maybe first two years was very rough. Different personnel, different dynamics, different kind of things, and then things settled down. And the ministry was flowing at a very good place. And then God spoke to me that I was to replace all the direct reports. I think I remember that. But at that time, we left out Pastor Tosin and Sam Shomi. Because those were two critical areas of ministry. Just so you understand how ministry works here. There are three ministries that are so, so critical in this house. Worship arts, media, audio, video, all of that together, huge. Anytime there's any flop, any mistake, as you just saw this morning, the whole house knows it. They can't hide. Very, very tough. And then the third one is the office. Everybody and their dog, when they are mad, they call. And God help revelation if she's not smiling when she answers the phone. It's tough. Very tough. Very tough. Because you're constantly juggling people's attitude, people's emotion, people's sentiment. You don't know where they're coming from, what they need, what they want. And they don't care what's happening to you in the office, how much work you are doing. They just want answer. They want it now. So it's tough. So those three areas of ministries are very, very tough. So after we've left some show me and Pastor Tons for a season. Then God spoke to me. And I prepared Pastor Tons as Pastor T. In six months, we're going to have to make a change. This is what God is saying. Now, it would have been a lot easier if at a time I was telling her, I knew what was going to happen to her next. I didn't. And I said to her, God won't, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor T. I said, God wants to do something in your life. He wants to add something to you, but I don't know what it is. But the way he adds, he has to first take this away. Now, just so you understand, this was at a time when the ministry finally settled. It was on cruise control. They were having a great time. Everything was running perfectly. So I was not talking to her to change because something was wrong. No. In fact, the specific instruction I received, don't do it until everything has been smooth for about three or four months. Sammy, do you remember that? That's exactly what happened. So I waited. Because I didn't want any 
any idea that something is wrong is because we've been making it. That's not the reason. The reason is God wants to do something. So she said, no problem. Now, to just show you what the enemy does. At the same time I'm talking to her, she's accepted the, uh, the inevitable that we're going to make a change. Then there were some whispers. Some people were whispering. Till today, I don't know exactly what they said. No, seriously. You see, because in my place, you cannot be concerned with that. If you concern yourself with that, you miss God. All I know is what God said to me, and that's what I gave her. But unfortunately, when she left me, some people were whispering and saying certain things that were not correct or even true that made her to think, the pastor do this because of that. You see what I'm saying? So now she has to make a decision. Is pastor on the level or has he heard something else for which he's doing that? Well, you know what I like about God? Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. To them that are called by God and for those that have been called according to... Whether it's Satan doing it or God is doing it or an angel or some demon under the earth, at the end of the day, you have to make a decision and the decision you better make better be righteous and not just being right. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. I said it too quickly. You didn't hear me. Your decision should not just be right. It better be righteous. There are times you and I make the right decisions. They are not righteous. Huge difference. Righteous means it lines up with what God is saying. Right means it lines up with what I think. So, she went through that season. Tough, tough place. She trusted me, but she's hearing some other things. Tough place for her to be. For anybody to be. But you know what the joy is? In that place of constraint, in that place of darkness, in that place of inner struggle, at the end of the day, you know what he did? Like David, he made her run back to the refuge. <laughs> Crawl under the rock. And say, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? What is happening? And it is in that place that the grace message was birthed in her afresh and anew where she became reassured beyond reasonable doubt of God's love for her. So what you see today did not happen just because somebody studied the scripture. No, all of us are studying scriptures. But I'm telling you, if you and I don't get in that dark place at times to be broken by God, we cannot be given to be a blessing. Yeah. Let me close with what happened to me. We just went to Thailand two weeks ago. The week before that, I was at a board meeting at my friend's church in Roswell. Thriving, great church. Guy loves my wife and I dearly, and we love them dearly. We were both released from the same church months apart to go start churches. If he's here right now, 
the first few things he's going to say to you is how when he was going to start a missions training in his church, he called us, we did the training for him, he took our manual, and he's been using it ever since. Improved on it, built on it, used it ever since. So I'm out there at the church. We finished the board meeting. And I came to get him and said, you need to come to class because Bible school is, time is on. I heard that for the first time. I did not know he had a Bible school. Now, to move back, in January when I was in Miami, I announced to those leaders that I'm coming back there to start the Bible training. No curriculum. I had no idea what the curriculum would be. I said, I'll get back to the States, work on it, and get back to you guys. Am I serious? Ma'am? Kunle, were you there? I told the leaders. We started Bible training because we've been there three times and we needed to put something on the ground to begin to replicate what God has given us all over the world. That was the plan. So I announced it to those leaders, but I had no idea how or what. I'm flying in the dark. So when I got to this church in Roswell and found out they had a Bible school, I said, praise God. I immediately told them, give me the curriculum. I'm thinking I'm going to get it in a day, in two days, in three days, in four days, in five days, six days. Ah, I didn't get it. I went through mixed emotions. Because I'm saying to myself, do they know who I am? True story. This just happened a few weeks ago. Listen, I'm telling you the truth. Do they realize I'm, I sit on the board of this ministry? Number one. Number two, do they recognize that the missions training they're doing, it came from yours truly? The audacity for them not to respond expeditiously. So I began to look at my options. Should I call the pastor back? Should I call his wife? Should I call this person? Should I call that person? And each time I looked or contemplated on any of them, God shut it down. And I had to have an attitude adjustment. And I got on the airplane. I'm in Thailand. The very first day in Thailand, the very first day, my wife is here. She's a witness. The first human being that our host introduced us to at breakfast, 73-year-old man who has planted 7,000 Bible schools all over the world. I said, excuse me, did you say seven? He said, no, 7,000. I said, are you kidding me? In 55 languages. I mean, I almost swallowed him. Because now I recognize that my darkness of the last week is because of this light that I'm seeing now. And I said to him, sir, do you realize that this is what's in my heart? This is what I want to do. Can I have access to your curriculum? He said, by all means, it's yours. And within 24 hours, I have in my possession the entire curriculum from A to Z. I don't have to add anything. It's a turnkey project. It tells me what to do, how to do it, who to do it with, how to... 
the whole nine yards. God had to take me all the way to Thailand to meet a man that he had prepared to equip me. Whereas, if my friend had given me his curriculum, it may have been too localized. So God withheld from me something that was good so he can give me something that is better. God is no respecter of person. I could not have an attitude against my friend. That's where the brokenness comes in. The mixed emotion. The struggle. Shall I get mad? Shall I not get mad? Shall I call him and bless him out? You can have that. Once you do that, the seed is out of the ground. You're on your own. That's the issue of brokenness. The fact that you restrain yourself and you humbly surrender to the will of God and not the will of man. That's where we're missing it, you all. We shout and praise God on one end and I'm fighting with my brother on the other end. And you think God is going to move in that? No. All things are freely available. But they are only given through broken vessels. Vessels that recognize that Jesus gives the bread. He thanks, he thanks God for the bread. He breaks the bread in order to give bread out. There's much more, but I need to stop. I need to stop. I'm telling us how things work. Stop striving with God. I want us to pray now. I want us to pray. Maybe you're here and you're a liar. You've been wounded. You feel rejected. You are seeking the affirmation of man. You want man to like you. You want a woman to like you. If that's you, if you're a liar, you need to come out. Or perhaps you are a Jacob. You are headstrong. You have a strong constitution. You know what you want. And in spite of what God says, it's what you want, you want, you want. Nothing else can change that. If that's you, you need to come. You need to come. You need to come. You need to come. There are those of us that are in the valley of the shadow of death. We're just fearful. We are afraid. We are afraid to trust God. We're just afraid. Suppose I trust him and it doesn't come out because it doesn't come through. Suppose, 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 suppose. 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 And then there are those of us that are just prideful. Prideful. Pride means I will never accept what God says about me. I have to negotiate it. I have to rationalize it. God said it. No, that's not good enough. Does really God does God really know what he's saying, what he's doing? That's pride. That's pride. That's pride. Mary, please come. Get Pastor Dustin for me. And Pastor Shana. Get Pastor Shana. Thank 
asking you to trust the process that God has put in place. Trust the process. Not because of the process, but because of God who put the process in place. Trust in his love for you. Trust in his love for you. He loves you. I just showed you to you Mark chapter 6. He set them out while he was praying for them. While I was struggling with my decision, he was praying the bank, you do the right thing. While Pastor Tosin was struggling with, 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 with what was happening, God was praying that Tosin, you will not miss it. And so, wherever you are right now, Jesus is praying for you according to his will for your life. Surrender to that will. The sooner you do that, the sooner you'll be on your way to new heights new dimension of new faith, new glory, new place. Stop striving with God. No one strives with God and wins. Ask Saul of Tarsus. So we're going to join in agreement with you. I'm going to pray and then hands will be laid upon you as a point of contact in affirmation that the will of God in your life will come to pass. That nothing will cause an abortion in the name of Jesus. No frustration. No disappointment. Nothing that man or demons will throw your way will cause you to miss it in the name of Jesus. And so Father, we thank you. You said a broken spirit you will never reject. And so Father God, we thank you that we are trusting you completely because you said a perfect love cast out every fear. We thank you that you have preeminence in our lives and that you take charge and control of every situation that we release ourselves into your hand to bring about what your heart pleases because we know the thoughts that you have for us thoughts of peace, peace and not of evil to bring us to an expected end. You are a loving father. So father God we fall into your hands because we know your hands are safe. We are safe with you. We are secured in you. We are thanking you for your love right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you father. Thank you father God. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Thank you Jesus.